Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey everybody, Matt and Duck here, and we're excited to share that we are taking over the Nomad Athlete radio feed for the next eight days straight for our Plant Palooza online festival with Compliment, where May 23rd through 30th, we're dropping new discussions with plant-based doctors, registered dietitians, best-selling authors, weight loss experts, and thought leaders, plus a wide range of resources on the Compliment website. But more than just the content, Plant Palooza is also our biggest sale ever on Compliment's nutrient solutions, superfood greens organic protein powders, and more. Right now, you can get up to 50% off site-wide, including my personal favorites, Compliment Essential, the Multinutrient, Daily Greens, and Hydrate. We've got a little bit of overlap there, Doug. Mine is certainly the Compliment Essential, but then followed closely by Omega Complex and Compliment Protein. Right on. It's all up to 50% off. Compliment products are optimized for plant-based eaters and backed by a 100% 100-day money-back guarantee. Go to lovecompliment.com to take advantage of these offers and to check out all the rest of the content, lovecompliment.com. But don't wait, the sale ends May 30th. And with that, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. You and I go way back and your reputation precedes you for many of our uh, listeners today. But um, I'll, I'll briefly say that you are a 30 plus year vegan. Uh, you've been you've been saying 30 years for like five years. So you're probably on the upward side of, of that and have been treating uh, at this point probably thousands of uh, folks through a holistic plant-based wellness regime um, to help both treat, uh, sometimes uh, prevent, or sorry, I, I'm doing that wrong. Uh, definitely prevent, a lot of times treat and even reverse heart disease. So I'm so excited to, to share your wealth of information with our community, community today. Fact check all the numbers I just shared though. Yeah, that's all right. It actually was age 18, 1977. Is that Jimmy Carter maybe was president? That's how long ago Jimmy Carter, blessed memory. So it's actually uh, approaching a 46 years of vegan. And I can say proudly, no prescription drugs on a daily basis, uh, unless I get a cold, which is rare, and you know, work seven days a week and great energy and pretty good at maintaining body weight and all the lab values without you know really any medical problems. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. I attribute a lot of that to eating better than average for a long time and uh, encourage all of you to do the same. I have this crazy anti-aging test I did. I don't mention this often. There's probably 10 different lab tests you can do. I'm just about to turn 64 and it's supposed to tell you how old your body really is, your biologic age. And some are called epigenetic tests. But the one a lot of people think is most accurate is called glycan age, G-L-Y-C-A-N-A-G-E. I don't have any financial conflict mentioning their name. It's a little blood test. And I had a laugh because I did it about six months ago and it said I was uh, at the time 63, but my biological age was 23. And my wife said, <laughs> yeah, you're not 23. <laughs> that is not accurate. I actually am just repeating it this week as part of a little research study. So we'll see if I can maintain that. But I laugh at it. I don't dwell on it. I don't have it hanging in a uh, frame in my office. 
Well, I, I would 22. That's, that's rather impressive. So I'm going to have to take a look at that. You know, I, uh, I love to, to learn about my body. It's, that's why I've got glucose monitor on today. And, um, but, uh, I'm actually going to do one of the Pranuvo scans. Um, it's, uh, uh, full body MRI and I'm a little, I'm a little scared about it, but today is not about me. Um, I am, uh, so excited to dig in and, um, again, thank you for fact checking me. It must be 30 years. You've been a cardiologist ish treating folks with a plant-based diet. So 1990s. So I've been in practice for 33 plus years, right? Got it. That's where the 30 came from. So amazing. And, and, and you've supported me, you've supported my, my father, you've supported Matt Frazier and his family. And, and I, I can say um, that you truly are an expert in what you do. And I'm so excited to share some of your insights. So for those who maybe are, are new to this diet, who are questioning this diet, let's start out at the, at the, you know, sort of highest level context. Why, why do you recommend a plant-based diet for cardio health in particular, but as we know, cardiovascular and cerebrovascular and just generally everything vascular is kind of tied up together. So feel free to take it as, as broad as you like. And, and the reason there's a food war, and you know, that's a common term on the internet, on Twitter, particularly YouTube, it gets ugly. Uh, I'll just give a shout out. It was now five years ago, almost, I was on the Joe Rogan show, which is, you know, rare air as a debate for four hours vegan versus paleo. Why do we do that? Why why you're going for a full body MRI and we still debate dairy good or bad, you know, red meat good or bad. Why is there a food war? And I always give a shout out to a mentor of mine, Dr. Walter Longo, PhD, University of Southern California, uh, professor of biogerontology, which is basically aging, but also the founder of a company called El Nutra that makes a food product that uh people use in the uh, anti-aging world. Um, And he talks in his lectures about the five pillars of nutritional longevity. And the point I want to make is nutrition science is tough. You know, I got a new drug and I get me 8,000 people and I give 4,000 a placebo and 4,000 I give the drug and I measure certain things, maybe their cholesterol, maybe their heart attack rate, maybe their degree of narrowing. And I can determine with relative precision if the study was set up and done well, that one is better than the other or one is equal to the other or one is more dangerous than the other. You know, there's only been a few times in the history of nutrition where big numbers of people were randomized. The PREDIMED study in 2013 had about 7,000 people in Spain. There's an ongoing research study in Spain now called CordioPREV, has a 1,002 heart patients. It's really hard to keep people on diet A versus diet B and definitively figure it out. So Dr. Longo talks about that kind of science, if available, you pay attention to. And all of the randomized studies, you know, favor plant-based eating for insulin resistance, for endometriosis, for cognitive function, for, we'll talk about cardiovascular disease. But you have to look at the other things. And that's why he has five pillars. Biochemistry. Does it make sense that flooding your body with plant-based antioxidants, fiber, phytonutrients supports health and prevention of heart disease and other disease? It makes sense in the biochemistry. How about 
you know, uh, case reports? Do we have cases of people reversing their heart disease? So we do some of them in randomized studies, some of them like Dr. Esselstyn at the Cleveland Clinic, more case reports and published data. Um, uh, what does the epidemiology say, which are all these studies that everybody fights about, how good quality was the diary? And then he talks about like a big picture approach. Is something better for the environment? Is something better for the animals? And we know which diet is optimal there in terms of your greenhouse gas emission, carbon monoxide uh, consumption with plant-based diets be more favorable. But when you get right down to your question answer, even recognizing how complex it is, I just laid out how complex it is. Easier to test a drug, easier to test an operation uh, than to test nutrition and get people to comply. Is we have data going back, you know, really to the 1960s, a very famous scientist named Dr. Ansel Keys, who showed that saturated fat in the diet, which is mostly from animal foods, a little bit from coconut oil, if you partake, will raise your LDL cholesterol on average and will raise your risk of heart disease and heart death on average. We know smokers who live to 100 and we know hamburger eaters that live to 98. There's always exceptions. But if you're going to plan a healthy life and plan a long life, Dr. Ansel Keys said, lower the saturated fat in your diet. And that's not the carnivore diet. That's the opposite. That's not the keto diet usually. That's the opposite. Or even most paleo diets. It's the opposite. A whole food plant-based diet is the, going to be the lowest saturated fat diet on the planet. If you keep it broad and colorful and fresh and um, real whole food plants or so many factory made foods now that have the label vegan, but we're learning they're not that much better than junk that has animal foods in it. They're better for the environment and they're better for the animal, but they're not that much better. Junk is junk for the human body. A salad isn't junk, a salad is salad. So we have that data from Dr. Keyes. Then we got that crazy engineer named Mr. Nathan Pritikin and another internist in LA named Lester Morrison who started doing early studies in the 50s, 60s, 70s and showed that blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar, and heart disease seemed to go away clinically. They didn't have any fancy tests by eliminating animal foods and using predominantly or all plant foods. And then came the great Dr. Dean Ornish and the great Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. I will put Dr. Joel Furman, MD, in that list and others, Dr. Neil Barnard in terms of diabetes research uh, and all that have shown very often in randomized studies, that special group that Dr. Longo puts as the strongest pillar of the five pillars in nutritional epidemiology and nutritional science. And we have data that you can, you know, the longer you do it, the better. But if you're 65 or 75 and listening to this, it's a great day to start a whole food plant-based diet. But if you're 18, like I was lucky to be, or raise your children with a really well-balanced whole food diet, you're going to give them, <clears throat> excuse me, a tremendous advantage over, uh, you know, the average American diet. Um, and they're going to, you know, they're not only going to reduce the risk for heart disease. I follow the nutrition science very closely. I have all kinds of science alerts. So I know when the new article's out. Just this week, a study in 180 countries looking at nutrition and disease, nutrition and survival. The number one food that promotes longevity was whole grains. And you talk about food wars. People you know, literally throw plates at each other over the idea of gluten-free, not gluten-free. Grains are always leaky gut. Grains are not. The science overwhelmingly says, except if you're celiac or maybe, you know, really bona fide gluten sensitive, 
100% whole grains are the number one, and that's not the first study to show it. There was something called the Global Burden of Disease Study. Whole grains, and then it's usually nuts and seeds, and a little bit lower on the list is fruits and vegetables. And the things you want to avoid are processed red meat, always showing up as toxic. In most of the studies, even unprocessed red meat, like a steak, makes the list for not promoting health. Of course, that creates an absolute warfare on Twitter, but it's what the science said. This week, we learned that plant-based diets are good for painful endometriosis. Hallelujah. You know, rheumatoid arthritis, insulin resistance, cognitive function, although Dr. Dean Ornish is doing a prospective study on cognitive function and whole food plant-based diets. So, I mean, the science is, I would judge from a very careful reader of the medical literature, 95 to 98% pro whole food plant-based diets. And then you occasionally get an odd study that stands out. That's why you got to look at the whole spectrum, all the pillars together. Does it make sense that a study called the PURE, P-U-R-E study, suggests that meat might not be harmful to the health? But you got to dig into that paper and see people were living in poor countries and undernourished and if you're undernourished, you eat a calorie you can get your hands on no matter what it is. So that's the you know answer. It's overwhelmingly the right diet to follow. And the only kicker is if you do 100% whole food plant-based or 100% junk food plant-based diet, you need supplement support. And I'm not embarrassed to say that because my patients that eat meat, I'll tell you right now, I've got an incredible carnivore in my practice. Uh, a woman of about 60, she unabashedly says, I'm coming to see the vegan guy because I want to hear your full, you know, uh, attack at me. And I'm not going to attack her. She's a very nice lady, member of the community. But she eats meat three times a day. Her cholesterol is 480. I mean, she's okay with that. Some people on Twitter are okay with that. Obviously, I'm not okay with that. And she has no vitamin C in her blood work. Not surprising. She doesn't eat any vitamin C containing foods. She has no thiamine in her blood because she eats no grains where you find thiamine. And it's just uh, no omega-3 because she won't include fish in her diet. And you just can characterize. I don't know that anybody's ever checked these vitamins on a carnivore. I may write it up. And it's you're not going to see that. You might see low omega-3 in a vegan, but that's why they need to just listen to smart people like you and Matt Frazier and your team. And what I tend to teach is, you know, Protect your brain. Get some omega three from food yeah. and supplements. Well, that is a, a great overview. I'm I'm here taking notes on my phone to try to remember to to bring us back to some some of these topics because you touched on so much. But I got to go deep on the carnivore um, because I do the same as your uh, patient. I seek out medical doctors who do not share my opinion because that's how we get stronger, right? They they challenge me and. So I have a naturopathic doctor who I see from time to time. Really, she just, you know, is, is supporting me and getting all sorts of blood tests, but she challenges me. What is that conversation like with, with that carnivore patient of yours? I, I would love to be a fly on the wall. Um, I was certainly not asking you to disclose anything sensitive, but what, what is your read on her approach? And I'll just color it a little bit further by saying, I think a lot of people experience tremendous benefits from going on a paleo or a keto or even a carnivore diet. And not to speak to the blood results, because I don't think most people are monitoring it at that level. But instead, likely, my theory is that um, the standard American diet 
is so toxic and full of chemicals and full of refined carbohydrates and high in sugar and saturated fat and the like that while a keto, paleo, or carnivore diet may not be great for longevity, it is still probably an improvement because many of those diets are based in whole foods. And therefore, you are shocking your system to improve in some ways, even if the blood work may not support it on a long-term basis. So that, that's my guess for why people see like they, they lose weight when they start eating a bunch of red meat. It doesn't cognitively make sense. But when you compare that to like eating a Big Mac, fries, and a Coke, like it may well benefit you just to eat the steak, as weird as that sounds to say. I'm, I'm curious, what, what's your read on this strange new phenomenon? So, this, you know, going back to the patient I mentioned, she came to me partly because she knows that in my clinic, I run advanced cardiac imaging and lab work. And honestly, she has the highest inflammation panel I've ever seen, you know, tests that are called C-reactive protein and fancier tests called LPPLA2 and myeloperoxidase. It's literally evidence that her arteries are revolting. And she knows this, but you, you know, you have to be kind to your patients or discharge them from your practice. And there's been no reason to discharge her. I did do imaging of her carotid arteries using ultrasound and her heart arteries using CT scanning. She has some plaque. She's quite lucky that it is an enormous plaque. It's only been three years she's been on beef. And, you know, it's sinking in. And I got a feeling, interestingly, I saw it in her chart once. Because I think she does have, I haven't run the test, genetic cholesterol disorder. Um, and if you have a genetic cholesterol disorder and you add in all that meat, your cholesterol is going to balloon like crazy. That's just not my observation. Some recent scientific case series in the medical literature uh, showed that. You know, you're at risk for blasting your cholesterol at super high levels if you add in a lot of saturated fat, plant, uh, animal-based foods like this woman is doing. But, you know, she's she's just approaching 60, you know, so probably five years post-menopause. It's the next 20 years uh, she's really at risk. So I'm going to work with her, try and supplement her. Frankly, your uh, essentials would be a very good choice. It would cover a lot of the bases. Uh, maybe get her to eat a salad a day and, you know, try and uh, wean her off. Oh, the point I was remem remembering is I had the opportunity to look at a lot of her cholesterol levels on a hospital database. And there was one, like her total cholesterol was 230 about four years ago. And I asked her, you know, what, what's that? Were you ever on medicine? She goes, no, I was vegan for three months. <laughs> and she goes, I said, well, you were, you're 480 on meat and you were 230 on plants. Uh, maybe, maybe we should rethink this. People are funny. Well, you know, once in a while, I'll go over to pubmed.gov, the National Library of Medicine, and I'll put in carnivore diet, cardiovascular disease. I'm telling you, nothing shows up. So when you're eating that diet, you can listen to any online person you want to, MD, PhD, nutritionist, yoga person. I mean, you're flying without science. You put in whole food, plant-based cardiovascular, vegetarian cardiovascular, vegan cardiovascular. Um, you'll see you know, hundreds and probably I would think more than a thousand references going back to the 1950s and you know, possibly even earlier. Um, was this famous study by this Dr. Lester Morrison in Los Angeles, an internist, 1951, that a uh, Pritikin-like whole food plant-based diet. It was remarkable at weight loss and cholesterol control and 
uh, heart disease reversal. And that was 1951. So how many years is that? Somebody help me. 20, 72 years 70. ago. 70, yeah. yeah. Wow. Me too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, people view our diet as hard, as difficult. Um, you know, a few people say it promotes memory issues. A few people say, uh, you know, soy, tofu, edamame, make man boobs and erectile dysfunction. You know, you dig in the science and you can uh, show that's not the case. The most recent body of data, which I think is super cool. There's a lot of doctors online right now talking about if you don't eat meat, you won't build muscle in the gym. And if you don't build muscle in the gym, you're risking your longevity because muscle-centric medicine is the key. And amongst those is the very well-known functional medicine doc, Dr. Mark Hyman, who wrote in his recent book on longevity, you know, eat muscle to build muscle. And that was the one line in his book I puked on. I thought otherwise the book was pretty good. I texted him and said, I puked because that's not true. And there actually are now even vegnews.com, not exactly your scientific space, did a review about four weeks ago, five or six studies in the last 18 months that real science, randomized studies, uh, young people put in the gym with weightlifting programs on a animal protein program or a plant protein program, very often soy-based. I think um, one of them was fava bean-based, kind of interesting. Uh, and at any rate, there was no difference in muscle growth. You just got to lift the damn weights and eat clean foods, and you'll probably experience some uh, increase in muscle strength. So good to see that one blown out of the water, but I'm sure it'll circle back. Another food muscle <laughs> war topic. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about, you, you know, you mentioned <clears throat> um, cholesterol quite a few times, and I'm, I'm going to ask a two-part question because I think it's so related. Um, there's a lot of debate around oil in our community, saturated fat, which you've brought up. Um, and I think we all acknowledge at this point that a whole foods plant-based diet is healthier than a vegan junk food diet. Uh, as right. you said, junk, junk is junk. The question that I think I ask for myself and I, and I know from uh, our community and the you know, comments we see on online and questions that we get is, does it have to be 100%? And, and what is the cardiologist's view on, you know, oil and can you have a little bit of oil? Can, can you have a little bit of, of birthday cake? Can you have a little bit of those plant-based ice creams? You know, is 80% good enough? Where, where do you draw the line? Of course, more is better, maybe. Um, but to make this diet sustainable, you know, how do you counsel your, your patients in terms of moderation? Yeah, you know, so some of the voices out there, um, John Mackey, founder of Whole Foods, now left and doing a plant-based startup, I think called Love Life, um, wrote a book called The Whole Foods Plan Diet, and he recommended 90% plus. He interviewed a lot of scientists. I was involved in that book a bit and said, you know, really for most people listening right now, if you say not authentically, 90% of all the food on my plate is whole food plant-based and I leave 10% for wiggle room. He said, that's enough. Now he's hundred percent vegan for himself. So he doesn't follow that rule, but that's enough. You know, the Pritikin Center, which is a famous Miami-based longevity center for heart and obesity and diabetes and health and executive health. You know, they'll serve two meals a week out of 21 meals. 
that are, might be fish or bison or venison. And they feel that's compatible with excellent health. And they have a track record going back 50 years. And Dr. Walter Longo, I mentioned him already, he's eating 19 <clears throat> meals a week that are whole food plant-based, kind of an Italian spin on it. Um, and uh, he's coming out with a plant-based Nutella that's enhanced and has less saturated fats. So watch for that one, because uh, he eats it for breakfast every morning. I've uh, interviewed him about his diet. But he believes 19 meals a week of whole food plant-based and two meals a week of salmon is kind of optimal. And it's always hard to argue with Dr. Longo. The, the cardiologist's answer is, we now live in a world that I call precision cardiology or personalized cardiology. My carnivore patient knows in detail her plaque burden, how much is here to the brain, how much is here in the arteries. So there's a recent series of studies from Denmark that if you take 10,000 people walking the streets of Denmark between age 40 and 70, half have silent heart disease, half don't on CT scans. And probably people listening, if you're 40 and up, half of you have heart disease you don't know about. Of course, if you've had bypass or a stent, you know about it. And half of you have heart disease, you don't know about it. And depending on the degree of heart disease, the risk of heart attack was eight to 10 times higher in the group that had this silent hidden heart disease. So uh, my answer to you is people should know their heart artery status like they know their mammogram and their colonoscopy and their PSA for their prostate and their cervical exam by a gynecologist for cervical cancer. You should know it's easy. You get a CT scan about age 35 to 40 to 45, but I would say by 40, maybe do it. It costs 99 bucks in my city. One place does it for 50. It's called a heart calcium CT scan. And you hope and pray you hear the next day you're a zero. No plaque identified. Is it perfect? No. Is it almost perfect? Very low radiation, painless, no injection, no needle, no claustrophobia. It's nearly perfect. We go through colonoscopies, man, that's not easy and it's expensive. And mammograms and MRIs and the rest. You're going through a full body MRI and I know about what those cost. This is you know, a $75 uh, deal breaker. If you don't have heart disease, 90% is probably fine. And if you're 40 years old and you got calcium in your heart arteries, you might want to read Dr. Esselstyn's book. You might want to read Dr. Ornish's book. You might want to take my advice. I, I tailor the diet and the extreme nature of the diet to the extreme nature of the disease. So I will have patients that tell me every time I walk to the mailbox, I get angina. That's like an old fashioned Pritikin center. That's like Michael Greger's grandmother kind of story. If you've ever heard his YouTube on that topic, his grandmother's heart and leg disease and her response to a whole food plant-based diet at the Pritikin center long ago and how she outlived everybody's expectation by changing to a whole food plant-based diet. Uh, Dr. Michael Greger, nutritionfacts.org. But I will tailor that person's diet to the ultimate extreme. You know, I will be Dr. Esselstyn, no, no, no. I love my whole food plant-based diet with very snobby uh, extra virgin olive oil I get from Kalamata, Greece, that's super high in polyphenols uh, and shipped to Windsor, Ontario, right across the river from my Detroit. So it's available on Amazon and all. And I can share that with you because... Uh, most of the data is that olive oil is an incredibly healthy product. In fact, even in the last three, four weeks, there was a brain, memory, cognitive study, extra virgin olive oil, way better. They had another study. They took a group of people. They took all the fat out of their diet and put in only extra virgin olive oil. And there was actually lower cholesterol, lower blood pressure, lower blood sugar. Interesting. 
lower weight by substituting for 30 days all extra virgin olive oil. Um, you can saute. There's sort of a rumor it's not a good cooking oil. It's not a good frying oil. It's a perfectly, you've got a, you got some dandelion greens or some Swiss chard or some broccoli. You can throw some extra virgin olive oil and shake it up a little bit and make a little stir fry. It's a pretty heat resistant oil. So there's an ongoing research study going back to Dr. Longo, Five Pillars. When you get a randomized study that's large and um, high quality, that sort of overtakes a lot of other little observations from 25, 30 years ago. But it's called the Cordioprev, C-O-R-D-I-O-P-R-E-V study in Spain. Lots of extra virgin olive oil with a healthy Mediterranean diet or very low extra virgin olive oil with a healthy, low saturated fat extra virgin uh, Mediterranean diet. Heart patients, real heart patients, they all had to have proven heart disease. They stopped the study early because there was so much advantage to flooding your food with extra virgin olive oil. Plus, they looked at carotids. The plaque shrunk quicker with extra virgin olive oil. They looked at that fancy lining in your artery called the endothelium. The endothelium was far healthier at the end of a year. And people will say, but that's not Dr. Esselstyn or Dr. Ornish's diet because it wasn't a completely whole food plant-based diet. But there's no doubt you can conclude if you're not going to do a what we call a no SOS, no salt, no oil, no sugar diet, if you're going to use some fat in your diet, it's not lard, it's not ghee, it's not butter, it's probably not corn oil and soybean oil and safflower oil. It's probably focused on extra virgin olive oil. The data is strong. Um, so okay. I'm a proponent. And you kind of address this, but we can assume based on your comments <clears throat> that you, like every other human, are at moderate risk for heart disease, but you've been whole foods plant-based for much of your life, almost all of it at this point, a vast majority at this point, at least. Um, and so you've decided, you know, some extra virgin oil is, is healthy for you. What, what does a day in the life look like in terms of how Dr. Khan eats? Yeah. Um, you know, I have a very full schedule with a very, you know, tight calendar. So I'd love the luxury of walking in my office at 10 a.m. after making gorgeous smoothies and chopping vegetables and all. Um, my wife will have a few overnight oats or overnight chia pudding um, in the fridge, little containers. I try and keep portion size not too big. It's so easy to overeat. Uh, a big mug of black organic coffee every morning. Uh, I find that wonderful. And I know my genetics. I metabolize caffeine rapidly. So I don't get jittery or high blood pressure from coffee. Half of people don't metabolize caffeine rapidly and they might get jittery. So drink something else if you want. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you don't have to drink coffee, but uh, a lot of data out there, it's good for you uh, and good for some of your cancer risk even. If I don't do an overnight oats, I would love to say I do that gorgeous smoothie a lot. I truly don't. Um, I might eat a food bar. And again, I didn't gear this lecture to circle back, but I might grab one of Dr. Longo's food bars that sustains a gentle ketosis a few more hours that's out there in science-based, a little nut-based bar. Um, I might grab an apple or a banana. I love a banana. You know, That's my favorite food at a gas station. They seem to have the best bananas in the world. I don't know why. Uh, and you probably shouldn't eat anything in a gas station. Um, 
Uh, you know, there's an old statement by Michael Pollan, the author of a number of famous nutrition books, you know, don't buy your food and your gas in the same building, but except for a banana, you can eat a banana. I always bring lunch to work. I bring it in a glass container. I'm sort of plastic phobic as much as I can. I had to shrink the size of my lunch container down too, because uh, you know, I, I'd like to eat. Um, today it was a beautiful salad with avocado and pumpkin seeds and some balsamic and some olive oil on it. And my wife had some kind of grain dish left over, just dumped it on. Um, I'd eat an apple or an orange right now if I had one, but I didn't prepare. And um, dinner is home, I'd say 28 out of 31 nights a month. Um, I like restaurants, but uh, the schedule's busy and, you know, you can't control your your diet as much as a restaurant. Um, and, you know, my wife's tremendous. If you read my book, Plant-Based Solution, one of the books I've written, those 75 recipes are out of our kitchen. I have two other books that have a professional vegetarian, vegan recipe writer. They're amazing too. But stir fries, uh, pasta marinara with tons of vegetables. And, you know, I love steamed broccoli, steamed cauliflower, steamed asparagus, um, and all the rest. Uh, so there's lots of good things to eat. Um, not many sweets. I mean, I have a sweet tooth, but I will, you know, I, you won't see me digging into a big, you know, Boston cream pie. You know, you know, there's plenty of vegan versions. And I just can't keep fake ice cream in the house. I just can't. I mean, I just got to put a fence around that. So if I'm in an Italian restaurant, I might have a lemon sorbetto at the end of a meal, boy, you know, four times a year. I'm far from perfect. Um, I'm not the skinniest medical doctor vegan on the planet. I, you know, applaud Dr. Gregor and Dr. Bernard and uh, uh, others that look, um, you know, really lean, like somebody who does calorie restriction, but uh, I'm, I'm very stable in my weight and haven't had to rebuy clothes and all that. So that's a day in the life. Um, okay. you know, I struggle with red wine. I take days off. I have a glass now and then, uh, I, you know, there's really a raging debate going on. I do want to circle back. Um, uh, I touched on, you know, being hundred percent whole food plant-based is clearly an optimal choice, but you should supplement. You know, one of the raging debates internally, I'm not even sure it's really well known in the public amongst vegan medical doctors the last few years has been supplement with algal oil to bring your omega-3 level up or not. And there literally has been behind the scenes a bit of a war. Uh, proponents like Dr. Joel Furman, and I'd include myself because I draw blood levels and I see so many patients, vegan, non-vegan, severely deficient in omega-3. And there are some uh, naysayers like Dr. John McDougall uh, and others, and it created a lot of ill will. Um, interestingly, and I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but one of the most loved and respected of the whole food plant-based doctors, Dr. Michael Clapper, MD, made a YouTube about six weeks ago where literally he agonized the last three, four years. Which camp am I going to piss off? The pro-omega-3 supplement, the anti-omega-3 supplement. But he wasn't supplementing and he watched his blood levels drop and drop and drop to a level that the science says could rapidly accelerate your risk of you know, cognitive impairment, dementia, and he's back on. So I welcome him in the camp. It's terrible that he had agonized so much about it. He's such a kind hearted person, but I vote for supplementing those small holes in the defense line that might exist. 
Okay, great. Um, and in terms of your sweet tooth and your wine intake, um, specifically on the sweet tooth, what do you recommend for folks who may be dealing with cravings? And then maybe you can expand a little bit more on um, when you say taking nights off for, for wine. I, I think we all recognize that, you know, resveratrol is not the um, super food that we should all be drinking a ton of red wine to get into our diet, right? Um, but to balance out what might be a lot of stress in your job, demands on, uh, you know, your your as a as a family person right you're you're eating a really great diet like you know how do you think about having a glass of of wine and the impact maybe on cardio and cerebrovascular risk factors right so i just touch on part one of your question sweets as added sugar you know there was a raging debate in the 1960s and 70s what was more important for developing heart disease and heart attacks excess saturated fat versus excess sugar in the diet. And Dr. Ansel Keys won the battle that number one on the list should be reduce your saturated fat. But if you read his work and his cookbooks, right below that was excess sugar is just a stupid habit. He actually said that pretty much verbatim in one of his books that I have sitting in my office down the hall. Um, we have more data than ever now that you know excess sugar is gonna promote uh, insulin resistance and weight gain and central obesity and visceral fat and ultimately heart disease. So a recent guideline came out, no more than six teaspoons of added sugar a day. That seems like a lot to me. There's no way I get that much in my diet. Um, obviously sweetened sugar beverages, sugar sweetened beverages is probably the number one source. So just give those up now. No, no Coca-Cola, no Mountain Dew. And uh, no Pepsi, of course, and you know, mixed cocktails. Everybody's putting simple syrup in their mixed cocktails. I don't do those cocktails. When you get to alcohol, you know, there was in 2023 a big article in the New York Times that everybody read summarizing a recent study that said, you know, we really can't find the protective nature of a glass of red wine. We either see it as neutral if you keep it low volume, but we then we see harm, harm, harm. But then within a week, there was another study that suggested the opposite, uh, that red wine holds a special category. And there's a difference. There's a lot of added sugar in a lot of wines, and there's very little sugar in most European wines. A glass of Chianti, a glass from Burgundy or Bordeaux, doesn't have to be expensive. But I drink European wines, and I know Italian wine, a glass of Chianti, a glass of Barbera, a glass of Montepulciano de Abruzzo. These are in every Italian restaurant for you know $11.99. They're cleaner, low sugar wines. There actually are providers out there that are providing raw, natural, low sugar wines. If you're going to drink, you know, don't drink sugary Moscato or uh, not too much Prosecco and uh, and the rest, you know, a little bit for a birthday party. But um, I just think for some people, no is the best answer. And taking a break for all of us is the best answer. But if you can manage a glass of wine a few times a week, I think it's still the social setting, the Mediterranean diet, the blue zones approach, a glass of Cannonau from Sardinia. I mean, were all those people sacrificing their longevity by their traditional diet? Um, I still question that we don't really yet know the final answer on that. Yeah. And I, I know I can speak for these some that say, you know, if, uh, um, if I live to 104, but I'm not having, you know, uh, the enjoyment, like you say, the social connection, the, 
the uh, the the love that you can feel in a room of of people sitting around a table and enjoying themselves. You know, what's the trade off there? So great. Um, let me ask you as we uh, get into more back back to more of the the technical elements. I've heard more and more that particularly if you eat a vegan diet, which I distinguish from a whole foods plant-based diet, you can actually create an imbalance in your cholesterol between HDL and LDL. And I know there's VLDL and some other molecules that you look at, um, but it's easy because you're not necessarily getting really good types of cholesterol if you're eating a, a vegan diet, right? Uh, uh, maybe a junk food vegan diet. How much should people worry about that stuff? Maybe you can educate us a little bit about the relationship and and how would you encourage uh, someone who's eating a vegan diet or a, a whole foods plant-based diet to get their good cholesterol number up? Right. So cholesterol is a long topic and I'll you know give you three minutes on it and then you should probably wrap up in a little bit. But um, you know, Cardiology in 2023, you only got to talk about largely one thing, LDL cholesterol. It's the focus of all the therapy, focus of all the guidelines. We have lost an understanding of what HDL cholesterol does. We used to say low is bad, high is great and protective. You'll never have a heart attack with a high HDL. Science has uh, recognized that was an erroneous conclusion from some early studies. So all the ratios you read about, some of the carnivore keto paleo people, your HDL triglyceride level uh, ratios and all, they're all in question because we don't really got a full understanding of what really the optimal HDL is. Um, in Dr. Ornish and to some degree in Dr. Esselstyn's study, while patients got healthier, while their arteries showed some plaque shrinking, which was shown, their cholesterol fell, their LDL cholesterol fell, but occasionally the HDL fell and the triglycerides went up a little bit, like 110 to 130. Not high triglycerides, but went up a little bit. And that has been pointed out. And I know I don't want to paraphrase for Dr. Ornish, but he'd say, they're better. They're walking. They're not in the emergency room. So maybe HDL and triglycerides aren't that crucial. And maybe we don't really understand. I'm perplexed. There's a really difficult to understand interplay between diet, genetics, and microbiome. You know, a husband and a wife both go on a whole food plant-based diet for three months. One of them drops their cholesterol from 260 to 160, and one drops 10 points. And they swear they're eating the same food and walking the same dog walks. Uh, and it's just a, you know, all you can do is do the labs and know the calcium score, that CT scan I talked about. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe do the omega-3 level because they don't necessarily have the same genetics for omega-3 and see if they're absorbing omega-3 from their flax and their chia and their walnuts and the rest and supplement it uh, either routinely or if needed. Um, but it's complex. The other cholesterol particle everybody should hear about anytime I'm on a video is lipoprotein little a. One of the books I've written is called lipoprotein little a. Uh, everybody has a production line to make LDL cholesterol in the liver to support all these hormones, but you only need a little bit to support your hormones. 25% of us have two production lines. The second one can make a cholesterol called lipoprotein little a, and it can be very dangerous. And still, sadly, one or 2% of doctors draw that on their patients, $30 blood test. And you have a heart attack and you say, damn. In fact, in my vegan community, if you're really whole food plant-based and you have a heart attack, 
I'll put $20 down. Nobody's ever checked your lipoprotein little a because it does not respond to diet with any predictability. It doesn't respond to Lipitor or Crestor with any predictability. It's a bad beast, but we have our own little protocols at my clinic to deal with lipoprotein little a. And the pharmaceutical industry has uh, super, super powerful and hopeful drugs coming out in about two years. Awesome. Um, I actually have your lipoprotein lay and I've had it tested. So um, one one last question, as you mentioned, uh, your black coffee helps you maintain a little bit of that um, light ketosis, as you called it. Uh, how do you approach fasting or how do you uh, think about fasting for, for folks in your practice? Yeah, I think fast. So again, uh, you know, the science is very clear, not just Walter Longo, but certainly including Dr. Walter Longo. And uh, for a moment, I'm blanking on the name of a very prominent scientist at the Salk Institute in San Diego, who's a uh, academic fasting guru. But the body put into the stress of less or no calories has responses that are actually very healing and very regenerative and very rejuvenating. And if you can handle eating less, a lot less, for three, four, five days, or nothing for three, four, five days, and you're medically able to do that, you may go through some pain, but there may be a lot of gain. And we just have these systems from probably you know our ancestry, where we had long periods of time um, that we had struggled to find calories, and there were sort of mechanisms to sustain our body and even potentially improve our body till we got food uh, the next time there was you know a wildebeest or some cranberries or whatever was found on foraging. Um, and with the problem is we eat three times a day, seven days a week for 12 months a year, and we don't take a break. Maybe Ramadan, maybe Yom Kippur, maybe Lent, we cut some stuff out. So the only controversy is what's the best approach. And probably of all the longevity anti-aging options between vitamins and supplements and metformin and rapamycin and stem cells and peptides, Right now, fasting is the most supported, approachable, uh, cost-effective, and widely you know, distributed. The only question is, are you going to do the 5-2 diet or the uh, eight-hour eating called time-restricted eating? The most science is for the five-day fasting-mimicking diet, which I just finished last night, five days, 800 calories a day. Again, not wanting to circle back, but created by Dr. Walter Longo. Uh, most importantly, a plant-based diet. If you want to talk about what did the world's leading nutrition scientists come up with for optimal fasting, it happens to be a low-sugar, low-protein, plant-based box that I do three, four times a year. I mean, I drop seven and a half pounds in five days and feel light as a butterfly, sting like a bee. It's kind of an amazing program. And I, I, I don't say that with any promotion. I say because I think the most science out there for diabetes remission, diabetes regression, uh, fatty liver, visceral fat, waistline, inflammation, and maybe general promotion of healthy longevity uh, patented. They, the, the program I just finished is patented for longevity. There's a, in the United States and Europe, and there's really no competitor that can say the same thing. Awesome. Um, We'll wrap up so you can get to your patients, but is there a, a single message you want people to, to take away from this conversation? If they don't remember anything else, one message. 
I want to say supplement your vegan diet intelligently because I love you, Matt and Matt. And that's a strong message. But I have to say the number one would be get a heart calcium CT scan. Don't live your life eyes closed. To me, it's like driving without a seatbelt, texting while you're driving, uh, having no health insurance. If you don't know your calcium score, you are absolutely living life blind and you're 75 to $99 away from knowing if your health plan is working for you and your genetics are working for you. So get your heart checked. I'm a heart doctor. I was gonna, I figured you'd say eat your vegetables, but that's probably more practical. And I think we all got the, the first message. So um, thank, thank you so much, Dr. Khan. I really appreciate it. And of course, folks can find you everywhere where doctors are sold, right? <laughs> Just search hey. Dr. Joel Khan. Um, and I believe it's the conlongevitycenter.com. Um, and we'll put all those links and all, all the promotion that we're doing around this. So thank you again for spending your time with us today. Thanks, Matt.